0: Welcome to the podcast of Conversations with Friends, heard every week on KAOI Radio in Maui, Hawaii. Good morning. Welcome to Conversations with Friends with Mary Almway. exploring ways to live our lives more fully in this wonderful world. We welcome your calls and thoughts at 242-7800. Conversations with Friends is brought to you on KAOI by Unity of Maui, where the heart is at home. Now, here's your host, Mary Elmwick. Good morning, Maui. I'm James Jacobson sitting in for Mary. Mary is on the mainland today, but uh, she will be back in a couple of weeks. In fact, she'll be back this Sunday for a very special service that we're doing around the season for peace and nonviolence. Today's program is We're going to be talking about forgiveness, and forgiveness on two different fronts. We're going to be speaking with Barbara Fields, who is the Executive Director of the Association for Global New Thought in our first part of our program, where we will be talking about this very special 11 days that we're going to be celebrating at Unity, and it's going to be celebrated around the world. It's called A Season of Forgiving. And in our second half hour, we're going to be talking with Jerry Jampalski, who lives on Honolulu, and he's a well-known author He has another take on forgiveness. He's also involved with the season of forgiving. We're joined now by Barbara. Barbara, are you with us?
1: Yes, I'm here.
0: How are you today?
1: I'm just fine because I live in paradise just like you do.
0: We all live in paradise, but (laughs) our paradise is a little more western than yours. You're in California.
1: Yeah. Whereabouts? Santa Barbara, California.
0: Now, that is paradise. I think Santa Barbara and San Diego have to be. If you're going to live in the mainland, those are the places to be. Oh, and probably Santa Barbara a little bit over over um, San Diego.
1: You're being very diplomatic considering that you started out if you're going to live on the mainland. Well, yeah, there was just that
0: light, <laughs> slight proviso. I guess I learned that from spending too much time with attorneys, right? Oh, gosh, <laughs> okay. Speaking of attorneys, let's talk about, that's a nice segue, let's talk about this concept of forgiving and this season of forgiving that is running September 11th, through September twenty first. Mm-hmm. Now, I know this, but tell everyone why September eleventh is is the kickoff day for this uh, program.
1: Well, first of all, just a note about your segue. It would put attorneys out of business.
0: It would. So, there would be no And how horrible would that be if we yeah, just they didn't don't have, have attorneys? To become
1: mediators, and then where would we be? Okay.
0: I love um, that idea, and we'll talk about that later. Because I'm, I'm, on the way over here, I got a phone call or was checking my voicemail from one of those 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 professions, and uh, and it, maybe that's why I have attorneys on my mind. And, and I'm, I, I said, "Well, how? What a perfect opportunity for me to talk about forgiveness, because that's really what it's all about." As you say, if you if you're in a forgiving mindset the whole need for this contentiousness that our uh, legal systems tends to promulgate, there'd be none of it.
1: Well, we're talking about a big cultural transformation. And and to answer your question, I find it absolutely remarkable and I can't believe that in the ten years that I have been closely conducting the Gandhi King Season for Nonviolence project and working with Arun Gandhi and Ila Gandhi in South Africa that when it came to my attention that set, September 11th in 1906...
0: 1906,
1: yeah. ...was what, what's considered to be the birth of the Satyagraha movement, um, because that's when Gandhi launched the first nonviolent campaign against racial oppression in Johannesburg, and
0: South that's, Africa. And that's what's interesting. Gandhi started it in South Africa.
1: Right, right. Well... Between India and South Africa, there was a lot of activity, mm-hmm. but um, the Phoenix settlement, and men, and to this day, many of the activities are, of course, located in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And even as we speak, they're getting ready on the 11th through the 13th. Mrs. Gandhi is a co convener of a major conference in nonviolence in Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to commemorate this centenary, important anniversary that is so relevant to us and the rest of the world right now because September 11th has such a different meaning in our recent history.
0: It's incredible. Well, t- tell everyone what happened uh, September 11th, 1906 in Johannesburg.
1: Well, I wish I knew exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I know I that's the date. Yeah,
0: what, what do you know about that, what happened then?
1: Well, I don't know exactly what the issue was. I have to ad- admit that right now because I've got notes in front of me, but I haven't done all of my studying. But um, I do know that there was a major decision by Gandhi that you actually have to, as we were talking about a minute ago, t- transform the culture so that they start solving problems on, in a, on a completely different va- basis, and that violence is not only... Um, Physical violence, the way that we think about it, it's grosser expression. But that any time you oppress a people or discriminate racially or discriminate against religion or gender or deprive people of economic rights or edu- or educational rights, that sort of thing will always lead eventually to some kind of violent practice that can't be resolved.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's powerful that Arun Gandhi, who is Gandhi's grandson, is so involved in this in this movement. Um, wh- he's going to be speaking in Washington during this eleven days, right?
1: Right on September 11th at the at the Wall and Mall in um, Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. There's a, a an actual walk and interfaith prayer session, and then the following day, Georgetown University is sponsoring a day-long conference, from what I understand, and Arun will be taking a major part in both of those activities.
0: This is quite a a global event, because it's happening not only in the United States, but in South Africa and Europe and and all over. How many folks do you think are going to be involved in one way or another in this uh, 11-day season of forgiving?
1: Well, I just... I'd sure like to, at at the end of the season, there's so many partners to this initiative now. Um, And it's exactly what we've been hoping to see for the last 10 years that we've been doing specifically work using the Gandhi King vision as our motivator. Mm -hmm. Um, We've noticed that in the last two or three years, I mean, certainly people have been working hard for peace and nonviolence for many years, Mm -hmm. and what I've noticed in the last two to three years is that a certain sort of critical mass is beginning to hit the surface. I'm not sure if you've noticed that as
0: well. Absolutely. I think uh, it's very powerful. We had Barbara Marks Hubbard on a a few weeks ago, and she said something that still is just powerfully resonating in me. She said, we have finally come to a place where we realize that wars cannot be won. Mm -hmm. And and we certainly saw that most recently in what happened in the Middle East but this this movement towards this understanding that you know anything other than peace just doesn't work and certainly war doesn't work
1: right and there is also then the sort of the the, the learning curve that let's say nonprofit organizations and NGOs have been on um where we've been having to understand how can we organize effectively and not simply replicate the old model that we know doesn't work. So it's taken us, um, I think, the better part of this last decade to learn how we can create powerful organizations that are also effective and even more importantly to learn how to network and collaborate with each
0: other that's what's so impressive about this is the list of, of organizations that are all part of this effort and of course how the technology of the internet pulls it together so it's easy for people to communicate and and for folks to you know talk to other people in different parts of the world and bring their organizations together and there's no longer a need for a central you know uh, organization that kind of has all these different branches they all kind of connect in what D.Hoc would call a a chaotic fashion it's beautiful
1: right well that's the trick is that we all do need our separate identities and then we have to learn how to collaborate successfully where it's appropriate and possible Mm -hmm. so for the season of forgiving for example um because we've been working with arun gandhi on the season for nonviolence since nineteen ninety eight naturally now we're celebrating our tenth anniversary this year so naturally arun thought that there would be a very good opportunity for this season of forgiving because at the same time they had partners with the gandhi foundations in india and south africa and then there were initiatives such as Pathway, Pathways to Peace and United Religions Initiative and the Unity World Day of Peace, um, all people who had reason to begin an ob- observance of, of of the centenary on September 11th. And then there would be 11 Days of Peace before the, <coughs> the um, International Day of Peace, which was a resolution adopted by the United Nations 24 years ago mm-hmm. and and respected by 191 member countries. So there was just an incredible sort of synchronistic flow of all of these events and organizations that only had to take a couple of steps into the center in order for this to work out.
0: Just listen to some of the people who are the supporters of this. Um, uh, my friend, a Nobel Peace Prize laureate, uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, honorary co-chairman Jane Goodall, Deepak Chopra, Irene Khan, who is the Secretary General of Amnesty International, Marianne Williamson, John McConnell, who was the original founder of Earth Day, and Barbara Marks Hubbard of of agent of your organization. So that's an impressive roster,
1: right? And there's a lot more where that came from, too. <laughs> you know, there and and what and I wanted to say a word that. I am so respectful of these icons who are, you know, the living examples of this new cultural transformation, but I've been working the, for these 10 years understanding how grassroots leaders from spiritual communities in over 400 cities and 18 countries, specifically related to the work of Season for Nonviolence, I have really learned that those are the people who are really doing the work. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Not that the rest of us aren't, Mm -hmm. but but it is actually this broad-based, what's been a more or less anonymous group of leaders who, they're not named, they're not famous, maybe they never did anything like this before, but the actual work that they're creating on the ground is the whole core of the work. So, you know, I have to say that my my kudos go out to the task force leaders who are doing this work in all these different communities.
0: And they're the people who are putting together the newsletters and, and building, the, building the interest and doing the public service announcements and going out and actually arranging the, I think there are 200 events that are happening.
1: God, it's going to be impossible to track how many things are going on right now. And I think that it's not, it isn't so important what events are going on. What's important is day, day after day, People in communities everywhere are deciding to lead their lives with these kinds of activities in the midst of their everyday lives. They're not going to stop because the 11 days are over, Mm -hmm. and they're not going to stop because Season for Nonviolence is over. It's actually transformation from the ground up, and even though we may not be able to stand back in a perspective that's wide enough to actually measure and track this to the letter, if we actually could have that evolutionary perspective we would feel very encouraged in in the in the face of everything that looks like evidence to the contrary mm-hmm. and that's why i still have hope even though some of my more cynical secular friends <laughs> think that i am just you know kind of daydreaming yeah. about optimism it's not It isn't a daydream. It's really happening. It's just a bigger wave.
0: I think it is a bigger wave, and the more people who show up for this, the more the naysayers are going to say, hey, maybe there's something to this, and we can reach a critical mass where this becomes a reality.
1: Well, that's why we have to be the change, because otherwise the naysayers will oppose the change, Um, and it's a very subtle distinction, which is why I think that the spiritual communities have been the root of this movement, and that's very different than social and political change has been in the past. I mean, wouldn't you agree that that's a huge paradigm shift all by
0: itself? I would. I think that we, we tend to embrace this concept of separation of church and state. I and mean, then someone like Desmond Tutu, who was obviously you know an Anglican minister in South Africa, who was so instrumental, along obviously with his, his best friend um, Nelson Mandela, in changing apartheid, and he argues that throughout history um spiritual causes have helped change politics and they are inter they are totally intertwined Mm -hmm. and it's that moral sense that causes outrage that causes great political movements to shift and change this is a fascinating discussion Barbara. we're going to need to take a break but can you stay with us
1: Yeah, that was very eloquent. I'm going to quote you
0: on that. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) And it's all on our podcast. We'll talk about that when we return. I'm James Jacobson. This is Conversations with Friends. Conversations with Friends with Murray Omwake is a presentation of Unity on Maui. We are a trans-denominational community and invite you to join us in Sunday morning celebration at 10 a.m. at the Maui Tropical Plantation in Waikapu. Unity also offers children's church and nursery services. If you'd like to join our families of sponsors on Conversations with Friends, please call us at Unity at 242-9327.
2: There's a reason that Hawaii's premier mortgage company has successfully completed over $2 billion in loans for the people of Maui. With over 20 years of experience and a 99% loan completion rate, Tricia Morris and Premier Mortgage have earned the trust of thousands of Maui homeowners. Where mortgages are concerned, don't leave anything to chance. Go with number one. Call Tricia Morris and her team of magicians today. 874-8800. That's 874-8800 for Hawaii's premier mortgage company. And now
0: back to Conversations with Friends. I'm James Jacobson. We are speaking with Barbara Fields, who is the executive director of the Association for Global New Thought about A Season of Forgiving, which is an 11-day period that kicks off on September 11th. And um, as they say in the uh, brochure for the the events, uh, there are 11 days to transform the world's wounds from 2001, strengthen partnerships among grassroots peace builders, which is what we were talking about, promote peace and wisdom through nonviolence, and empower enlightened leadership in your local community. That's a mouthful, but that's so powerful.
1: That's a mouthful, and the thing that we hadn't gotten to yet that's so critical, and actually this is something that Arun um, is more and more committed to over time, is that the the factor of the interreligious reconciliation and healing, which has always been in the understory of nonviolent social change, but more and more these days, it's just leaking out everywhere and wanting to present itself as, as a direct factor in nonviolent social change. And, and when you think about the fact that there are on this planet that three billion of the people who live on this planet are either Muslim, Christian, or Jews. And then you think about what's going on in the Middle East and you think about all of the unhealed wounds that go along with September eleventh, two 2001, one of the things that we called very specifically for during the season of forgiving is for communities everywhere to arrange interfaith vigils and prayers and meditations in order to make what has been implicit explicit in the conversation because it will mean everything to the communities that are suffering because of religious and ideological discrimination, and I think it's very important for us to point out now that we can actually change the nature of what September 11th means by turning it toward a sense of responsibility for more understanding, more healing, more respect and tolerance for each other's traditions. Because if we don't make it that far, then we can't solve the problem.
0: Here's a wonderful quote from Arun Gandhi. He says, as a young boy growing up with his grandfather, I remember him saying that religion is, quote, like climbing a mountain. If we're all seeking to get to the same peak, why should it matter to anyone which side of the mountain we choose to climb up from? And then he says, uh, "I I do believe, like my grandfather did, that faith in God can only become meaningful if there's faith in humanity, we cannot hate and destroy what God created and still profess to love God as the creator. That's powerful. And I love the logo that's associated with this season of forgiving, with the globe and then all these um, religious icons around it that represent the, the different religions of the, of the world.
1: Yeah, It took me a while to actually. Some of these are more obscure. They're not the your your normal, you know, eight, seven or eight world religious icons. (laughs) I was going to say
0: I don't recognize some of them.
1: Well, there's some. There's um, there's Shinto, um, Mm -hmm. a Japanese Buddhism, and there's Native American, and um, there's the Jain hand of peace, Jain, which is the original Ahimsa tradition.
0: Oh, that's from Ahimsa of
1: Hinduism. Mm -hmm. Um. Then there's, of course, Buddhism. I think the Zoroastrians are in here. Um, Ekankar, mm-hmm. is that how you pronounce it? I
0: believe it's Ekankar, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and one of the reasons that I, I find that I'm more attracted to this kind of a collect, collect conglomeration of religious symbols is, is for the reason that we need, to be, we need to start expanding our view also of what, what is to be considered religion on our planet. Because we know more than anyone in the New Thought tradition that there are highly spiritual people everywhere that might not necessarily be able to fit their belief system into the form of an existing traditional religion. Mm -hmm. And so what we have here is a huge explosion, and I'm sure it's not only in our country because we have feedback from many other countries, that people who consider themselves spiritually motivated Are forming community based on a more universal approach to spirituality. And they're acting in their communities out of that, out of that focus. Whereas they may or may not go to a traditional synagogue or mosque or temple or church.
0: Well, I know that demographers say that the biggest category, you know, when, when, and when they do surveys and they say religion and there's usually a little check marks, a checkbox next to a place <laughs> that you can say spiritual but not religious, that concept has just grown and, and there are more and more people who are ticking off that box and that's the way they describe their religion or their, or their spiritual practices, spiritual but not religious. And so this conglomeration of bringing it all together and surrounded by the globe, is a beautiful image that I think really depicts what it is all about. If people want to see this logo or find out more about it, is there what's the best website to direct them to, Barbara?
1: Well, I'm going to say our website. Okay. Um, that's uh, agnt.org, and they will see Season of Forgiving on that menu. When I, there's a lot of information there about how you can continue this this campaign
0: with us. When I was uh, looking at your website yesterday doing research for today's program, I I came across that link to the DVD of the Synthesis Dialogues that you Mm -hmm. did a few years ago with uh, the Dalai Lama. And there's this wonderful promotional video. So go over to agnt.com and click on the link, and you can watch this fantastic video to learn a little bit about that because that was obviously a a major event that you guys were helped to bring together.
1: Yeah, and we have those DVDs available, and the other thing I wanted to say, if I may, is that one of the the major sponsors of Season of Forgiving is under the auspices of the Gandhi King Season for Nonviolence, which I said before was celebrating the 10th anniversary. And even though this is just a sneak preview, I wanted to say that we're celebrating in the middle of April with the Gandhi King Peace Train and Living Legends of Nonviolence Conference on the West Coast. So it's actually a moving conference on a on private railway cars, and conferences on both ends. It's going to be, and we're inviting all of our living legends of nonviolence to be on the train with us. So it's going to be a real kick.
0: So you're going to have a private railroad, uh, a private rail, a train that goes across the country.
1: No, it's just going up the coast for about half a day. But we'll have whistle stops and press conferences. I love it. Hoot.
0: That's that's fantastic. I just.
1: People have to have fun too, you know. Well that's
0: part of that's what that's what gives full expression to these ideas because you know, if we're moving into a a field of more peace and forgiveness, I guess what comes with that is fun. And that's really what will motivate folks to do it more than anything else.
1: Yeah, well it's it is it's joy too. I mean, there it has to be in balance Mm -hmm. just like all of life. I Mm -hmm. mean, we all know that now. So there's a time just before burnout, where people have to say, let's just relax and be in community together and love one another, as corny as that might sound, it's actually the medicine. So,
0: It's so true. You know, Barbara, I was uh, alluding to this before our last break. I want to mention it now. Uh, Conversations with Friends is now podcast, and so if you miss the show or want to listen to it again or share it with a friend, it's all available uh, via podcast, you can find out more at conversationswithfriends.com. And I was telling our engineer before we started, we have, we are getting people who are listening to this program in New Zealand and Australia and England and Denmark and you know, all over the country as well as, all over the world as well as, of course, across the United States. And it's just amazing. And it's just a simple, you know, here we are, a little radio station in Maui, Hawaii. <laughs> but we have listeners all over thanks to the power of the internet. And it's, it's fantastic.
1: What did Margaret Mead say? Did she talk about <laughs> radio stations too?
0: She didn't, but that's, uh, that was the quote I was, you read my mind. That was the quote I was trying to s- think of, if I could say it elegantly enough. Uh, do you know it off the top of your head? It takes this, a small group of people
1: yeah never never doubt that a, a small group of, pe- of committed people can can change the world. in fact, it's the only thing that ever does or something
0: yeah. like that and that is so true and that's what uh, you know great organizations like Agent do and uh, and and to, and this radio show and we're all you know very happy and joyful to be a part of this movement. Mm-hmm. Robert, thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Oh, well, I just enjoy talking to you so much, so thanks
0: for having me. Take care. Have a great day in uh, paradise.
1: Okay, and say (laughs) hi to Jerry for me when you talk to him. I
0: certainly will. In fact, Jerry Jampowski is going to be our next guest. Thanks, Barbara. Jerry Jampowski is going to be our next guest. He'll be joining us via telephone from Honolulu. We're going to take a break, but when we return, more of Conversations with Friends. Conversations with Friends with Mary Omweik is a presentation of Unity on Maui. We are a trans-denominational community and invite you to join us in Sunday morning celebration at 10 a.m. at the Maui Tropical Plantation in Waikapu. Unity also offers children's church and nursery services. If you'd like to join our families of sponsors on Conversations with Friends, please call us at Unity at 242-9327.
2: There's a reason that Hawaii's premier mortgage company has successfully completed over $2 billion in loans for the people of Maui. With over 20 years of experience and a 99% loan completion rate, Tricia Morris and Premier Mortgage have earned the trust of thousands of Maui homeowners. Where mortgages are concerned, don't leave anything to chance. Go with number one. Call Tricia Morris and her team of magicians today. 874-8800. That's 874-8800 for Hawaii's premier mortgage company.
0: And now back to Conversations with Friends. I want to welcome on board a new sponsor to our program. It's Real Estate Maui Style. They are joining us as a sponsor. They are a real estate magazine in a land where real estate is what dominates a lot of people's minds and thoughts. This is the publication to pick up, and the great thing is it's free, it's complimentary, it's all over. And in the current issue, they have the who's who of real estate and real estate agents and mortgage brokers and everything you need to know. Pick up the copy. It is uh, blue. It has two beautiful dolphins on it, and it's available all over the island where you see those magazines. If you'd like to check them out on the Internet, here is their website. It's wwwmaui style Dot com. That's www.maui-style.com, and we welcome them aboard as a new sponsor of Conversations with Friends. Now we turn to Jerry Jumpalski who's joining us from Honolulu. Hello, Jerry. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? We just couldn't be better, greater than great. That's awesome. We were just speaking with Barbara Fields from Agent, and she sends her regards. Yeah, Nobody ours. She's a wonderful person, and we're so honored to have you on the program, especially today as we talk about forgiveness. I can't think of a of a more appropriate guest to have on the show. You have done a lot of work on the subject of forgiveness, so let me first of all start off by asking you, Hey Jerry, what's forgiveness?
3: Well, for me. Forgiveness is a willingness to let go of the painful past. It doesn't mean condoning a horrendous behavior. Uh, It doesn't mean uh, agreeing with what someone does. But it's a willingness to let go of the pain of anger and grievances that we're holding in ourselves that tend to be extremely injurious to ourselves.
0: So it doesn't mean just like uh, looking at uh, uh, something that someone has done to you and and condoning it, but you're not instead willing to let go of the pain and yeah, the yeah, anger yeah, that you yeah, feel. and The
3: pain and the anger and willingness to see that person differently. Uh, in my book, Love is Letting Go of Fear, there's one of my favorite cartoons there is, let's look at a person's light and not their lampshade. And more recently, I wrote a little meditation that's been very helpful to me, and it goes like this, your light is all I see, and is but a reflection of the light in me. And when I was taking a walk this morning, as the sun came up on the beach, you know, what happened when that sun came up, all the darkness started to disappear. So this is what we have to remind ourselves, that we really are light beings, and our our light is a hero. To really show that doctor that that darkness away, and and forgiveness perhaps is the most important function that we have here to heal the illusion that we're separate from each other, or that we're not joined, and so forgiveness is really uh, a a way of, of, ex, of ex, experiencing our oneness and interconnectedness with all of life, and we, with whatever we want to call that higher power. I happen to call that higher power God.
0: You know, uh, there are many things that that can cause us to feel that we need to move into forgiveness and many people who we run across in events that happen that really kind of annoy us in a big way. I don't think that anything is as more sensitive or as more of a touch point than issues that occur uh, within the family, be, perhaps between a child and a parent or between a person and their spouse. Is there a different process that you go through when you're trying to forgive someone who's very close to you?
3: No, I think it's the same process. Uh, The problem with someone that's very close to us is that it's always in our face. (laughs) And so you have to really look at it and say, hey, uh, am I willing to look at this differently? You know, forgiveness starts with a belief system. And if you listen to your ego, it's going to tell you that there are people that do things that are unforgivable. And if that is your belief system, then you're going to feel that there are a lot of people you won't forgive, but, and particularly yourself that you won't forgive, the things that you've done that you're ashamed of and don't want to tell other people about. So the real issue is, is really forgiving yourself. Uh, I think uh, our family members and those that are close to us are just stronger teachers of forgiveness <laughs> than others.
0: How do you begin the process of forgiving well, yourself? You, be,
3: you begin by by uh, recognizing that by not forgiving you're holding on to pain and you're going in a circle. Uh, and that what you're doing is putting a, a, uh, a, a, a fence around your heart and going around the world that way. So I think we begin by taking another look at your forgive at your belief system and, and, and hopefully opening your mind up and your heart up to believe that. All things are
0: forgivable. And that pain, that you come to the recognition that, hey, this is really hurting me. By, not, by holding this in, it's really hurting me. And that pain can often manifest on a, on a physical level oh, yeah. and affect it, your it health. It can,
3: it can hurt every organ in our body. Yeah. And I can tell you how many headaches and backaches and heartaches are, are caused uh, by, by this. Now there's good scientific evidence that uh, supports this today. So there's real value in letting go. But we have e- most of us listen to that ego voice which says, don't forgive. If you forgive, that person will just come back and hurt you even more. Uh, Or that it will say that 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 person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. He deserves my anger. Uh, And we have to let go of listening to that ego voice and start listening to the voice of our heart, which says, start the day wanting peace of mind as your only goal. And when you do that and ask the question, Does my holding on to this grievance, Does my holding on to this unforgiving thought really bring me peace? And I'm sure your listeners today will say, no, that really doesn't. And that becomes a very important step then of letting go and having a willingness. The next step is a willingness. And that's a very strong word. It's a small word, but it's a strong word. It's a willingness to see it differently. It's a willingness to let a higher power come in and help you forgive because our egos will be there to say, hey, don't forgive. And it's willingness not to have a form about forgiveness. To,
0: to not have a what?
3: A form, F-O-R-M. Uh-huh. To know that the litmus paper, to know when you're really forgiven, Yeah. is that you no longer see the shadow of the past in another person or yourself.
0: So when you think of the events of the transgression, right. you don't have any right. energy you, on you it. You just
3: see the person's light. Yeah. Because I think if we're on a spiritual pathway that we're here, to be messengers of love and forgiveness and to do our best to demonstrate that in every aspect of our lives and to know that what true forgiveness does, it heals the illusion that we're separate from other people. I like thinking that it's possible to view everyone, even those people you've not forgiven, as your Siamese twin. So if you're trying to send anger out to that Siamese twin you're, you're coming back like a boomerang right back in your face so it's really really important not to be able to exclude forg- anybody from our forgiveness if we really want to find the peace of god and to really become an agent a messenger of love and forgiveness well that's let's what, to well, me our real purpose is is to be of help to others through our compassion our kindness our gentleness, and this is what forgiveness does. It takes away the blocks to reminding ourselves that that's who we really are. We really are really love, We're the essence of love. And when we forgive, it removes the blocks to reminding ourselves that our, we don't have to learn how to be compassionate because that's part of who we are. We don't have to learn how to be kind. It's just a natural the, part of it's who we a are. Natural process.
0: Jerry, once we once we have that mindset, that understanding, and once we have that willingness, what's the next step?
3: Well, the, the the next step is, is to believe in the miracles of being able to see that differently, and 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 to send that person love.
0: So you uh, s- you uh, send them. For
3: example, mm-hmm. uh, we had someone come to our workshop who um, was trying to forgive. Their, she had another. She was a professor at a, at a college of, of psychology, and another guy was a professor there, and, and they just hated each other. They decided not to talk to each other, even though they in psychology and supposed to teach communication skills. <laughs> and uh, she went to one of our uh, seminars on forgiveness and, uh, and did her best at trying to trying to forgive. And part of her role in doing that was when she wasn't with him was to see herself sit, sending little hearts to him through the ethers to him. It didn't change him. She wasn't dealing with the outcomes. It would have made her feel more peaceful. Well, about three months later, they were walking down the hall and passing each other. They usually don't say anything to each other. And he stopped and said, Wow, that's a beautiful blue sweater that you're wearing today. And she could have dropped her teeth. <laughs> and they began to talk. They had lunch together, and they never discussed the past, and they became friends again.
0: So just the act of, of sending those little hearts through the air somehow yeah, on an etheric level time. changed What we're it. here
3: to do is to help each other by living in a world of consciousness and giving love, not being a love seeker, or not doing what the ego would have us do, which is the ego would have us set up as a judge, with a capital J-U-D-G-E, that were to judge everyone, so we interpret everyone, decide who's guilty and who's innocent, with a belief system of the ego that everyone's guilty until proven innocent. And this is what the ego would have us do. It just wants to stir things up and make us unhappy. And when he- we listen to that voice, that's what will happen. We'll go in a circle. And I've got good experience with that because I was going in a circle a long time in my life. It wasn't until 50 that I began to turn my sight in another way.
0: What do you do if you are in the process of, you know, you've changed your mindset, you've opened to this willingness, you're sending little etheric hearts through the air, and the person whom you are trying to forgive is just as contentious and as nasty as you can imagine?
3: Well, you don't interpret that. You see that you, you see you start believing there are only two emotions. Yeah, that he's either loving, which he doesn't appear to be, yeah. or he's fearful, giving us a call of help to for love. Ah. And there's something about our inner being that when we see someone as fearful, yeah. change our perception about that person, that our heart opens up.
0: So that process, because you know, there, we've certainly in this program, and and most people are familiar with this dichotomy of there only really. Two things: there's either love or fear. If you see that person who is, you know, saying nasty things or doing things that aren't the most loving, you see them as coming from a place of fear. Yeah. So and then you change your consciousness. You or
3: being nasty, yeah. you see seem as fearful. Like you just know there's a fearful child inside that adult person, mm-hmm. and you send them love and compassion. You well. become defenseless.
0: And so when you become defenseless, that can help change the, the underlying energy that, that precipitates the if need to have, create the forgiveness. It has nothing
3: to do with changing the other person.
0: Yeah.
3: Attitudinal healing, the International Center of Attitudinal Healing, which I started back in 1975, mm-hmm. only has to do with changing your own attitude. You know, the ego says, it's always the other person's fault. Right. So you want to change that guy's attitude. So forgiveness has nothing to do with changing the other person. It has only to do... We're changing the thoughts and attitudes in our own mind. Probably the biggest gift that the universe has given us, the biggest gift that God has given us, is the choice of deciding what thoughts and attitudes we want to put in our mind. And if we put negative thoughts in our mind and become pessimists, then we're going to have a very unhappy life. And if we put loving thoughts in our mind, what we're going to do is we start having a happy life. And we can't be happy if we're holding on to grievances.
0: What do you it's do, pain. Barbara and I were talking about this, joking a little bit about the idea of forgiveness, and if, if, we, if we all adopted it, there'd be no need for lawyers. How do you <laughs> reconcile this, a system that we live in where, you know, there's a litigious system that, you know, forgiveness is not a part of it? What well, healing
3: takes place one person at a time. Mm-hmm. And we were asked to give a workshop about 10 years ago with a number of the lawyers. Are you ready for this? I am. I'm practicing law without attacking another person.
0: it was a very very short them. retreat
3: so that's why so many lawyers today are going into mediation I see because they're recognizing their job as a lawyer is to heal not to find out not to attack other people in, a, in, a, in the old the old kind of way so i uh, I, 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 I think that uh, mother Teresa. Had a, a good statement when she was talking about the, the starfish story, and that some guy was going down the beach and saw a lot of starfish that had come up on the on the beach, and and uh, this woman was throwing one starfish at a time into the in, into the water, and he said, "Well, that's not going to do any good." There, there are hundreds and hundreds of these starfish, and she didn't say anything. She went up and down, picked up another starfish, and put it in the water. and Said, "Well, help that one." <laughs> so I think we have to do it one by one. But the real I- issue, no matter what, we're never upset for the reason we think. And although we think the other person you know, is the enemy, it's really the enemy is within ourselves, where we're attacking ourselves. It's our split mind. And so the issue really is how we've separated ourselves from God. This is what, uh, for me, what forgiveness is all about. And when we continue to make forgiveness as important as breathing, then something different happens. I, I created for a it some time ago, because I, I was still having some problems around forgiving one day, a little shoe insert, and it said, May every step you take be one of forgiveness. I put it in my shoe. So I my word every day. I have to look at that every day. And uh, my message was, It will heal my soul. Oh. So I think we need as many kind of clever reminders as we can about how important forgiveness is and how important it is not to carry on uh, old things uh, in our garbage can of the past. And, you know, Many of us have long laundry lists. Uh, my my mother-in-law had an interesting situation happen last week. She used to have a long laundry list of all the grievances she had about her mom, uh, her husband that used to beat her, and how many operations she had, and uh, all the people that she didn't forgive. And uh, she came to an attitudinal healing workshop, and she began to look at life differently. And when she was being interviewed for a new place in the retirement home that she's going to be at. She was very proud of herself that she didn't mention anything about the past. Mm. She only talked about her excitement about the present. Well, and so, here's at 85, she changed her mind and looked at the past differently.
0: Never too late for that, starfish, Jerry. And
3: now she has a big laundry list of gratitude.
0: <laughs> of gratitude. Well,
3: that gratitude is the way to to find yourself happy and peaceful. So. Uh, even when it looks like something comes on our plate that we didn't want, there yeah. I have gratitude to know that somehow, some way, this lesson on this plate is going to make me stronger and bring me closer to God.
0: That is so powerful, and it doesn't really matter if the person or the party that you're forgiving is alive or not, does it? Not at all. You don't even need uh, to communicate uh, with that.
3: Can, people can are very capable of forgiving people who are dead. Mm-hmm. We had a, a nurse come to our center who um, had must. Uh, multiple sclerosis, and uh, the story was that her, her, uh, when she wanted to go in nursing, her dad rejected her and saying, that's a third-class citizen kind of job. You ought to become a doctor like your brother and sister. Mm-hmm. So she had this unhealed relationship with her with her, with her, with her father, and then he died, and he, she still was unhealed. Well, one day after doing, you know, she'd come into our group meetings a lot and, and was practicing forgiveness, and she had this dream, it was a vivid dream. Where her father was in a room saying to her, I made a mistake. I hope you forgive me for what I said. I'm very proud of the work you're doing in Attitude of Healing, helping other people. I'm very proud of the work you're doing as a nurse. And she started to cry, and he started to cry, and then she woke up knowing that uh, that was a real dream. even though It looked like it was imagination. That was her father really teaching her how to let go.
0: That's powerful. Jerry, we're going to have to take a break, but will you stay with us? Because when we come back, I want to find out a little bit more about you and how you spend your day. Okay. Okay, this is Jerry Jampalski, who is joining us from Honolulu. We'll be back. I'm James Jacobson. Stay tuned. Conversations with Friends with Murray Omwake is a presentation of Unity on Maui. We are a transdenominational community and invite you to join us in Sunday morning celebration at 10 a.m. at the Maui Tropical Plantation in Waikapu. Unity also offers children's church and nursery services. If you'd like to join our families of sponsors on Conversations with Friends, please call us at Unity at 242-9327.
2: There's a reason that Hawaii's premier mortgage company has successfully completed over $2 billion in loans for the people of Maui. With over 20 years of experience and a 99% loan completion rate, Trisha Morris and Premier Mortgage have earned the trust of thousands of Maui homeowners. Where mortgages are concerned, don't leave anything to chance. Go with number one. Call Trisha Morris and her team of magicians today, 874-8800. That's 874-8800 for Hawaii's Premier Mortgage Company. And now,
0: back to Conversations with Friends. I'm James Jacobson. I want to fill you in on some of the activities and events that are coming up at Unity on Maui on this Friday, September 8th from 7 until 9.30, Radiant Breathwork with Christine Warner. Radiant Breathwork is a lovingly guided and supported consciousness-connected breath session. You can learn to release unwanted thoughts and patterns and enjoy more clarity. It's Friday is a beautiful workshop. Christine is an amazing person and and really does an excellent job at getting us to breathe better and and to feel that uh, breath work can cleanse out our consciousness and let go of things we just don't want. This Sunday, Mary returns to Maui, September 10th, to launch the 11-day season of forgiveness, which we spoke about in the first part of this program. And I want to give you a reminder that the work by Byron Katie, uh, moderated by Flavin Clayton, begins the second and fourth Monday of every month, starting September 11th. It's from 645 until 845. It's on an ongoing basis, and uh, it's just a love offering. Come by the church, 645 to 845 the second and fourth Mondays of every month, starting this next coming Monday, September 11th. On Thursday, September 14th, it's the World Day of Prayer. There's a silent meditation that's going on at our home at Unity um, on High Street from 6 a.m. until 6 p.m. You don't have to stay there for all 12 hours. You can just stop by anytime and join in the power of this united prayer. Very powerful. That's Thursday, September 14th. And uh, we are speaking with Jerry Jompolsky, who is on the line with us from Honolulu. Jerry is the author of quite a number of books, and his focus, his life's passion, is forgiveness. Jerry, it's so great that you're joining us today on a special program.
3: Well, it's our pleasure to be here.
0: I wanted to uh, get into some of the things that you do on a regular basis to not only engender forgiveness, but to just bring about a more conscious world. What's, what's your daily routine like?
3: Well, first of all, we, we remind ourselves... But in our way of looking at our purpose, our function is here to be to help each other and to do our best to listen to God's voice tell us what to think, say, and do. Uh, so we don't have any kind of five-year plan. We try to do this on a day-to-day basis. Uh, we do something that uh, might surprise you, but uh, we waken at, at, at 4.30 in the morning and uh, we do a little prayer that goes like this. Uh, I'm not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. I want the peace of God. Peace of God is everything that I want. The aim of all my living here the end I seek, my purpose, my function in my life, while I abide where I'm not at home. And that's sort of like putting a rudder in our ship, about uh-huh. what we want to do that day.
0: Definitely setting the intention way and, and, early and in the morning.
3: Really put, puts it in there. And then what we do while we're still in bed, we do a little exercise where in our, using our active imagination we dematerialize de- our body. So all that we see ourselves is, is a light beam. So Diane and I are light beams joined to each other.
0: And how do, and you, and how do you and Diane go through that process well, of dematerializing? We, we
3: just, uh, in our imagination, uh-huh. uh, see uh, our body disappearing and, and, and light uh, being where the body was.
0: Sort of like they did in Star Trek when they would move the... Yeah, exa- exactly.
3: Yeah. And then what we do is we start sending our love to those people who have come across our path, who are suffering from cancer, who are suffering from lack of love, those people in Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever. And we do our best job to send our love to, to these people. Uh, then, we, uh, then what we do is uh, we get up and do some stretching exercises, yoga exercises. And uh, three days a week uh, what we do is uh, we do a walking uh, meditation. Uh, and then uh, the uh, uh, other days a week, uh, uh, we we, uh, we meditate for about 20 minutes, and then we uh, go to the gym. We spend about an hour and 45 minutes in the gym three times a week. And there are some days we find that we have to start the day over maybe four or five times. <laughs> <laughs> Things come up, we've been challenged, or we start to make agreements. And we do our best to uh, not interpret people's behavior uh, we do our best not to uh, make assumptions. Uh, we do our, 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 our best to stay in the present, to not get involved in the outcome of any of the stuff that we're doing, and do our best to stay in the present, and uh, do our best to give put the future in the hands of God, and to let the forgiveness process erase the past. I see the forgiveness process like an eraser, in a sense, that allows you to, to erase the past. Bill Thetford, who is a... Uh, instrumental in bringing about, of course, a miracle. He coined a word which I really love. It's called celestial amnesia.
0: Celestial and, amnesia. And that
3: means the willingness to forget everything in your, in your past, to have amnesia for everything in your past, except the love that God has given you and the love that's within you that you want to give to others.
0: Wow, that's a beautiful concept, and and I love that concept. That's beautiful, and then and then you and and Diane waking up at four thirty. Now that you just naturally get up, you no, no, we set the
3: alarm. Do you? Okay, but but we we, when we don't do that, and we get up around. uh, uh, You know, we we have a lot of phone calls coming in, a lot of Eastern calls and Europe calls, and so we get involved. And uh, we used to get involved in our to do list, right? And make a god out of our to do list. Well. Uh, One of the things that Diane and I have learned in our relationship, is the most important part of our relationship is let God come first in our relationship.
0: That is so beautiful. My fiancé and I are are starting this whole process to really become more conscious about how we wake up and and start the day, because that really does set the platform for the entire day. And And we're
3: doing our best to simplify our lives, to bring our lives in more balance, to be less in a hurry. Uh, Diane and I have had a tendency to eat rapidly, and now we're learning how to eat slowly, and we're learning and learning how to keep our mind slowly. There's an old Indian statement that we like reminding ourselves about. Like, goes like this: that a, a busy mind is a sick mind, a slow mind is a healthy mind, and a still mind is a divine mind. Mm. And we want to have a divine mind as much as we can. Uh, and uh, and uh, we, the books that I wrote, forget this, the greatest healer, of all has a lot of different ways and exercises that people can use about uh, learning how to do this uh, uh, process and learning how to bypass all the blocks that we used to have about uh,
0: making our ego right. Jerry Jampalski, thank you so much for being with us. I really enjoyed talking to you, and uh, you've you've been wonderful. Thanks a lot.
3: Well, thank you for having me. Uh, uh, Aloha to all the people in Maui, one of my favorite places. And blessings to everyone.
0: Thank you, Jerry. We've been speaking with Jerry Jampolsky, and in the first part of our program, Barbara Fields, the theme all about forgiveness. Join us this Sunday at Unity on Mary Omwake. We'll be back for a special kickoff to this 11 days season of forgiving. I'm James Jacobson. I'll be back here next Tuesday. Have a great week. Aloha.